Hey, it's Mark, and this is the Curious Designer Podcast. All right, guys, today we're going in deep. We're talking about failure. Bungles, botches, fluffs, flubs, and f***ups. Embracing and channeling failure is part of the journey of life. As designers, though, we're often the people manning the ideas canon. For every one good idea, we probably need to burn through a hundred bad ones. And so dealing with failure and bouncing back is really critical to getting our job done. Yet we spend more time talking about what went right than all the things we learned from what went wrong. Failure and mistakes affect all of us on a deeply human level. They create shame, guilt, resentment, and ultimately can dissolve trust and break down relationships when things go wrong if we don't handle them correctly. So let's talk about embracing the suck and using failure to our advantage. I read a post last week from Product and Experience Director Rachel Zhang on exactly this. It was absolutely hilarious and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. But Rachel laid out a few guardrails that she uses in her own life and career that help her to bounce back from failure and actually use that to teach her something new. And we're so lucky because Rachel's here today to show us how it's done. I would love to hear a little bit about your background and what's what's brought you to where you are today. Because you're, you're a co-founder of an agency, mm. right? That's right. So it's a, a interesting journey that I didn't think I'd ever be here, basically. And I started off in advertising and digital advertising, um, did that for about maybe 10 years and then just got tired of being a professional nagger. And I felt like I was, you know, a project manager. I moved my way up into the ranks um, to become an executive producer. And what I started to notice was that a lot of my male colleagues were getting like a tap on the shoulder and opportunities to, you know, do you want to do strategy or do you want to do CX? Whereas all my female colleagues were just going from junior to mid to senior to exec. And I thought, well, fuck that. So I thought, you know what, anger is just an emotion, right? It's just like money. You just spend it how, where it's useful. So I use that anger to kind of learn to hustle to really like hone the skills of faking it till you make it so i went back and studied ux design got did a lot of free work um found great mentors that i could learn and build up quickly with uh so eventually did that and then just threw myself into work and did so many projects learned so much delivered so much and i think that kind of almost that place of fear probably drives you along really far until you get to a place where you're like, I need to stop. That's, that's only going to get me so far. Um, and then I just found that I had so many great opportunities, but I just selfishly wanted to work on the work that I wanted to work on. And I think most designers really just find joy in helping people and um, working on things that have a social impact. So I just thought, well, if I start my own thing, then I can pick and choose my clients. I can pick and choose the type of work I do. And selfishly, that's kind of why I started it, to be honest. That sounds so exciting. And best of luck with that as well. It sounds like an amazing journey. And I'm glad that you've been inspired by what you didn't like on the agency side to be like, I'm going to do this a totally different way. (laughs) I hope so. Fingers crossed it works out. It will. It will. So you shared this really great post. And I, I found this post and I was like, Oh my God. And I laughed so much. And I messaged you straight away, obviously. And I was like, that was so funny. It was unreal. And it was a post for anybody who hasn't seen it. 
the post was about royal fuck-ups in your career and em- almost like, tell me if I'm wrong here, but like embracing them and thinking differently and channeling them differently than, okay, I've made a mistake. Here's how to recover from it. And before before I kind of get you to share that post and some of the thinking behind it, what kind of put that in your mind that like, oh, I, I need to share this idea? That's a great question. Um, I recently had moved house and in all the chaos of like life, I recently had a big breakup for a long-term partner, moving house, everything was just quite chaotic. And I had some new clients as well. And, you know, sometimes kicking off projects when you're not in the best mental state, sometimes it has to happen. Sometimes you just have to find ways through it. And I missed a really important call with the client, even though I said I'd be there. And that just sent me into an absolute spiral of trying to fix that mistake, trying to build back up that rapport and that trust. And that just made me think about all the mistakes I'd made in the past and how you know, it's a, it's a little setback, but then it kind of propels you forward to, to be a better person at the end of the day. Like you, it kind of teaches you grit. And I almost, I almost swung too far the other way. And probably the other thing I would add to, to what I posted is that, you know, sometimes you have to know how much blame to take as well, you know, and not to overload too much onto yourself. Um, so yeah, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, oh, I've let all these people down. I'm an absolute failure and basically I just started to put down principles for myself of how to recover from when you make a mistake and just to make it into an experience that's going to be enriching um, because I wish we made more mistakes I think I wished earlier on that I knew how important making more mistakes were I was so addicted to being perfect and doing everything the right way that I wish I had opened myself up to slipping up a bit more and learning a bit more rather than burning myself out I think that's why it resonated with me so much because I I agree with you. I feel like on a deeply human level, you know, we're all trying to to portray this image of perfection and and you know, especially within our careers, we talk about the things that went right all the time. We rarely talk about the things that have gone wrong. And it resonated with me on kind of two levels. One of them is that, you know, that that interpersonal uh, relationships level where it's like, I've got to build trust and rapport with people. I've got to give them confidence that I know what I'm doing and I've done this before. But I think the the other thing, which was almost more profound, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show was, I think, you know, as designers, we we're often looked to as the people who have the ideas. You know, we we have the solutions. We know what to do next. We have these 10, 15 ideas to kind of chuck at the wall and see what's going to work. And we've got to be okay with failure. We've got to be able to accept uh, when when things go wrong. And almost we've got to embrace that as part of our natural process. And I saw that coming through so strongly in the kind of the guardrails, as you, as you call them, that you set out for yourself. And I tell you what, share, let's share them. Why don't, why don't you go through and talk about some of those guardrails? Because I, I thought they were great. Oh, thank you. You're such a good human. Um, exactly. And to follow up with your point as well, before I go into that, designers, we sit in this perpetually like unknown space, you know, where nothing is certain and it's all, you know, it's, it's research-backed but decisions, but sometimes there is a bit of bias and there is a bit of unknown. It's not as scientific as mathematics or x equals y so we almost have to really embrace that iterative approach of like okay that didn't work well that really fucked up conversion let's go back to the drawing board and and try again so you have to get really comfortable with that otherwise your personal i think 
you just start to really take it personal and you really get beaten down from that. So it's definitely something that we need to play a little bit better in. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're all very passionate and maybe even sensitive and empathetic as designers as well. So that's probably why it's even more important to have these guardrails. Absolutely. I mean, like empathy is our, it's one of our, you know, our biggest traits. We celebrate the fact that as designers, we are deeply empathetic, but I think you're right. It's like, the reality is it is very difficult to step away from our ideas sometimes and disconnect ourselves from them so that we don't take it personally when they just drop off a cliff and, and fail. No, it's true. Especially when you put so much effort and care into what you do and when it goes wrong, it really hits hard. And I think why this post did so well, like even I was surprised by how well it res resonated. I think it's because on LinkedIn, there is such a culture of perfectionism to what you said. And, you know, I read this amazing book. I think, I think it was Adam Grant who talked about how in a performance-based culture, that's where imposter syndrome comes out. And having that vulnerability is what makes one, it's like a systemic problem. It's not a personal problem. It's not you as a person having an imposter. And I can see that so clearly on LinkedIn now is that we have this performance-based culture on LinkedIn. So when you th throw something out there, that's a bit like, oh, I made an oopsie. People really seem to respond to that because we're all making oopsies all day long. So some of them, the first one I think that I, I tend to do when I make a absolute fuck up is be accountable. So, you know, you have to own it. You have to acknowledge you've made a mistake. Otherwise there's no point. Like you, you're absolutely fucked. If you can't even get to step one, you have to recognize that you've done something <laughs> and take responsibility for it. And I think really one thing that I learned from working with the most amazing people in AKQA in the UK is context, not excuses. They were like, give, help me understand, give me the context, exactly what happened as non-biased, as factual as you possibly can, just give me the steps of what occurred and then we can find a way to resolve it. Like you don't need to come up with excuses, you don't need to, um, you know, play blame game or point fingers or anything like that, which I think is really important as well. And then the next step, step three or five of the guardrails, I believe is apologize. I think they can all happen simultaneously as well. It doesn't have to be, you know, a little bit later. As soon as you know you've done something wrong, definitely acknowledge that. So there's no, there's a right way to apologize as well. But I'll get into that a bit later, but I think it's also important to apologize for what you've done wrong and not for you as a person. And I've been very, I've, I've made this mistake many, many times where I just took it so personally and I'd be like, I'm so sorry, I'm a fuck up or I'm so sorry, I'm an absolute idiot. It's like, no, it's not on us. Just be sorry for what you've done. Um, and that will help you take away some of that shame and place it more on guilt so you can rectify the behavior, not you as a person. Um, and then I think that ties in nicely to having an action. So you, you come with your apology, you come with your acknowledgement, you apologize for the action that has happened and then you, for the behavior that has happened and you put in a plan to stop that from happening again. So for my example, where I missed that really important meeting, I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to put two reminders in my calendar. Um, cause I've got two and then I will also put a reminder just to avoid this from happening again. And I'll check every morning. And I'll make that promise to you. And I promise that to myself. And then I think at the end of it, it's just doing better. And I think the most important thing about these mistakes is that 
being accountable to other people is great, but it also means you have to be accountable to yourself because when you let yourself down, you have to come back to the table and prove to yourself that you can do better. And that's the only way you're going to grow your self-confidence, believe in yourself, trust in yourself, be a better person day by day is if you build that rapport with yourself first and foremost, and then everything else is easy peasy. Because if you can own up to it to yourself and face yourself in the mirror and how are you going to prove that you're going to do better and you see yourself, the results, and you don't need anyone else to tell you, you're just like, oh, yeah, fuck, I haven't missed any meetings in a whole year. I'm a legend. That kind of self-confidence and value you cannot earn any other way. I love that. It's so positive. And I, I think I think the bit that, that I really kind of gravitate towards is that idea that when you do something wrong and you own up to it, you kind of, you relieve yourself of the pressure and the shame of that. You've, you've owned up to it. You can, you can say, right, okay, that's fine. This, is, this happened. It's not a reflection on me as a person. It was just an action and I would have done things differently if I could have repeated it. Fine. But then you can, you can put steps in place in order to build stronger trust and alignment with, with the people who you're working with. And it's almost like, actually, what we're seeing here is the mistake can lead to a stronger relationship than had it not happened at all. Totally. And we see that in our interpersonal relationships, like with your intimate partner, you know, it's sometimes the conflict and the cracks that you repair that make you so much stronger. And when you look back, you're like, oh, wow, we've come so far and, you know, not nothing can shake us. And I think you can do the same with work and you can do the same with people that you you work with over your whole life career because your your reputation is everything you have and your word is everything you have. So the best you can do is to to kind of honor that and yeah and and own up to it and I think another thing that I've learned as well is that there's always accountability for everyone involved and so when you come to the table and say I'm sorry I've done this one thing to always watch out for is has that other person or business acknowledged that they have a part to play in this potentially as well like not always you know someone if Someone murdered, like ran over my cat. That will hundred percent be their fault, and I will never forgive them. But if you know, <laughs> there are sometimes, <laughs> mostly reasons that there there are two two at play, and you want to see if that person or that business can come to the table and meet you there, and that will help you stop overbearing on responsibility as well. Because I know I've done that at times as well, and it's not good for anyone. Not good for them. Not good for me. So it sounds like for you, this is almost a bit of a recent realization and, and change to the way that you're approaching your life, your day-to-day work. I'm curious, like, how has this begun to change the the way that you think about the actions you take on a day-to-day basis, the way you think about your past, the way you think about your future? How is it helping you? Such a good question. I, I think it's definitely helping me ease up on trying to be perfect in everything, because that strive, like when I looked back on your questions, I was like, fuck, I actually haven't made that many big mistakes in my career because I've been so uptight at being like, you know, not sleeping. Like sometimes I have a notebook in the side of my bed if I've got a deep design problem that I'll wake up in the middle of the night and write it. Like I've been so invested in trying to make everything as perfect as it possibly can be and overstretching myself. Yeah. Um, to the point of resentment. And then I just become a bitch and a horrible, mean person inside. And I don't want to be like that. I don't believe it, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're too kind. I want to ease up on myself a bit and be okay with putting out work that, you know, maybe it's a bitch, man. Like maybe it could be a little bit better. I don't know. Like, let's get some feedback. Let's 
throw it out there and, and know that it's not the best that it could be um, and then see see how I learn from that or have difficult conversations with people and let that conflict arise instead of just agreeing and, and wanting to make sure everyone is happy. So I've surrounded myself with a lot of amazing friends and amazing people that I work with who are very open to that. I've got a friend who's had told me the conversations she's had with her co-founder and I'm like, how did you guys get through that? And she's like, oh, babe, it's just when you, when you love each other, when you care about each other, you want to resolve the conflict. So when you have the right people around you, conflict doesn't become as scary and it becomes almost a playground to see how can I be better? Where am I not showing up properly? Where can I learn a little bit more? And yeah, I just want to be a little bit more comfortable fucking up now. It's where we learn the most, isn't it? It's, it's when things go wrong. Actually, I was having a conversation the other day and somebody was asking me like, when I'm talking through, this was purely work related, but like when I'm talking through my portfolio, should I talk about the things that went wrong? And my my immediate like visceral reaction was, yes, because yes. you could have like 10, 20, 30 years of experience and talk about everything that went right and never learn a thing. But it's the things that went wrong and how you resolve them or what you learned from them that will ultimately define your experience. Like that is where you make your biggest leaps as a human, as a professional. And I think you're you're onto something. It's all about having psychological safety and surrounding yourself with people who, like you, embrace the fact that we're all human. We're all fucking up on a minute by minute basis, because guess what? We haven't done this before. You you don't get any trial runs. <laughs> no, like life's a stage with no rehearsal. You're just out there doing your fucking best. And I completely agree. And once you start to get a bit more comfortable with that, those people start appearing, you know, like because you don't know what you don't know and you almost have to be comfortable and take that first step. And people always think you've got to do it on your own. And I, you know, when people talk about self-love even, they're like, oh, you've got to love yourself before other people can love you. And I completely disagree. Like the most love I've ever learned is from having friends that I've met who love me way more than I love myself. And they've taught me how to see me in a much better positive light. And even our parents when we're young, right? They're the ones who teach us how to love ourselves. You can't do it in isolation. And you need to build that wonderful community and seek those people out. And another thing I think you might love, um, especially during interviews or just for self-reflection, is called the failure resume. Tell me about it. I can't remember who I stole that from. That's definitely not my idea. It's someone else's. But you go through and write about all your biggest mistakes you've ever made in your life and reflect on it and how you've learned from it and how that's made you a better person. And doing that is cathartic because it can span from your personal relationships, like falling out with friends or, you know, um, hurting people's feelings or not delivering on something. These are all like just key moments that sometimes in your darkest days, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. But you're right. Like from the very beginning, those are the moments that propel you like 10 levels up. Like if this was a game, those fuck ups where you get like a hundred experience points when, you know, being nice to a stranger might give you two. Like those are the moments that really, really help you grow. My next question was going to be, what would your advice or your guidance be to to anybody listening to this? But I think the idea of a failure resume, that's it, right? That's it. like write the things down, think about it, reflect on what's gone wrong and what you've learned from it. I'll, I'll ask a slightly <laughs> different question then. How would you encourage a fellow designer to take something, to take this knowledge, to take this idea, this approach to failure, 
back to their work, back to their team to create that, you know, psychological safety they need? What what would your advice be? That is, that's a tricky one because I do think psychological safety comes from the top. I think it's really hard to push that up if leadership don't have that, that set up for you, you know, because words and policies are all great, but unless you see management doing it, it's really hard to implement from what I've seen. But what you could do is, you know, find advocates in leadership if you can, people who resonate and speak like you and understand that vulnerability is a really important way and they embrace the scruffy. You know, sometimes when you look at leadership or people, you can tell when they've got that veneer and they're very attached to that. My advice is don't try and don't try and break through to those people yet. Like start with the people who are already on that path and then by you sharing um, your vulnerabilities, you could create ceremonies potentially for just coming to share work where it's work in progress. You could own it. You could pitch it to senior leadership and be like, hey, you know, I've noticed that there's not much psychological safety here or there's not enough um, embrace for iterative work, which I think we can all do with some knowledge sharing. You could go to them and say, I would love to put in um, a trial run of a, a ceremony where we come in and, and critique each other's work. Uh, it's probably a bit too specific right now, but, you know, I think it's all about finding advocates, finding avenues to create pockets of where that could be. Maybe it's a little group, a group chat, and you have to be able to share that vulnerability first. Someone has to go first and basically own up to when they've made a mistake and be comfortable with it. And that's how it spreads is that you create that space by showing up as you um, when people are ready and they will start sharing back. And it, it could be one-on-one. -on -one. You could do this with just one person who you know might feel the same way. Um, or you could just go full hog and, and approach leadership. And if you are in leadership, then I think it's really about – I can't remember which book I read this from again, but they talked about how uh, – in Bill Gates in Microsoft, the, they found that his wife was having, Melinda Gates, was having a real difficulty connecting with people. And what they did was they got her to read things that they say about Melinda Gates on Twitter, you know, just making fun of her. And people really resonated with that and, and just broke through that veneer, you know, seeing her take the piss at herself was just so liberating. And I think that's what started to create that culture of like, okay, well, I can poke fun at myself then. I don't have to show up as this complete professional person if the absolute leader, leader's wife is willing to to kind of shed and, and have fun with that. So I think it's really important if you're in a leadership position to, to bring that to the table and do that work on yourself first of being okay with that vulnerability because that is what's going to feed to other people. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to post a link to this to, to your post in the show notes because if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. You need to go oh. and read it. Uh, Rachel shares some amazing examples. Like the time I hung up on a client was like, okay, love you, bye. And then it's like, uh, no, <laughs> no, don't love oh you. Oh, my God. That's, do you know what? That is that is something that everybody's done. There's, there's something Freudian in there. <laughs> Where can people connect with you? Where can they reach out to you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So Rachel... Y Zhang on your LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Ronco as well, Ronco.studio. Drop me a line. I'd love to chat with anyone who, who wants to talk more about this as well. And yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of face palm sharing moments that we all have. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I love the guardrails and I know that's going to be incredibly helpful for people. So 
thank you so much. And I, I hope people reach out to you and share some of their crazy stories too. Yes, please. I'd love to hear that. And thank you again, Mark, for reaching out and being so lovely to chat to.